You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's break down the Jets quarterback competition with Dan Leberfeld from JetsConfidential.com. Dan, thanks for taking the time. Do you think the safest plan would be to let Josh McCown start week one? And if this team is as bad as many pundits predict, make a change if they open the year, something like 0-5. I think that would be the best plan, and I get a sense that's the plan that's going to unfold here. You know, if you look at history, uh, sometimes history repeats itself. Last year, they pretty much had the plan to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick until falling out of wildcard contention and then they went to Bryce Petty. So I think they could do the same this year. I don't think it would be a good idea to start Hackenberg a week one because, first of all, he's still in- too inconsistent. Secondly, it's a new offense for him, second offense in two years. I think he needs a little more time to get comfortable. I wouldn't throw him out there in week one. When you have a team that, that has quarterbacks on the roster, you, you go through the process of getting a second-round player thinking that he may have a chance to be the future, but yet – you know, the team is steadily falling apart, whether it's Darrell Rivas uh, to Eric Decker to Brandon Marshall. Pieces are steadily steadily leaving this team, let alone the pieces you do have aren't the ones you need to actually move forward. How much of a hot seat is Ty Bowles sitting in? Well, I think that the hot seat is a situation you look at this way. They don't have to go to the playoffs. They don't have to have a great record necessarily. But they can't get blown out six times like they did last year. And there's no excuse to get blown out six times in a league set up for competitive balance. So I think if they play smart football, if they play competitive football, if they play hard and they hang around in games, and even if they go six and ten, but they're competitive and they improve as the season goes along, I think Todd will be safe. But if it's blowout city like last year, I think he's in a lot of trouble. Dan Leberfeld, JetsConfidential.com is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Dan, we know the Jets don't have a legitimate number one receiver, but how is the depth chart coming together now that Quincy Anunwa has been lost for the year? Well, I, you know, it's a shame what happened to Quincy Anunwa, but I never viewed him as a number one receiver. You could call him a number one receiver by default, but to me he's best as a number three receiver, the way he was used his first couple of years in the league. Uh, just because people leave doesn't make someone something they're not. So uh, it's a bad loss for the Jets, but I don't think the narrative stating that they lost their number one receiver is necessarily on target because I don't think he was a number one receiver. Robbie Anderson, second-year player at a Temple, uh, is having a very good camp. He, he reminds me a little bit of Webster Slaughter. I'm not saying he's anywhere near that level, but he's a very slippery receiver. I'm sure Cordell you know, remembers Webster well. Just the, He gets in and out of his break so quickly. He runs 4-3-4. He's got good hands. The concern with him is he's a little slender, so will he be able to hold up physically? Uh, another guy to keep an eye on, if he could stay healthy, is Marquez Wilson, the former Chicago Bear, having a good camp. The Bears really liked him. The problem was he broke his left foot three times. If he can finally stay healthy, he can certainly help the Jets. And a guy who's been shining all summer, but they won't have in week one, is their slot receiver, Jalen Marshall, out of Ohio State. Having a great summer, the problem is he suspended the first four games of the regular season for uh, failing a test related to Adderall. So those are some guys to look at. But I have to throw this out there when you talk about the Jets' receiving core. To me, the number one target in their passing game is going to be the tight end, Austin Safarian Jenkins. Having a great camp, lost 33 pounds. Uh, No one on their defense is able to cover him. Unfortunately, once again, for the Jets, suspended the first two games of the regular season. But to me, when he comes back, Austin Safarian Jenkins, he could end up being 
the number one target, the focal point of the passing attack. That's how good he's looked in camp. Speaking of keeping your eye on someone, let's talk about the rookie uh, safety, Jamal Adams. He talks about talking about a sprain, a sprain ankle, uh, not talking, not knowing for sure if it's a high or a low. Uh, how cause, how scared, let's just say, are the trainers there with the Jets when it comes to his ankle injury? Well, Cordell, based on where it's taped, I think it's low. And he's already back out there on a limited basis. So we all know if it was a high ankle sprain, he wouldn't be back in less than a week. So I think it was a low ankle sprain. And he shouldn't – he's limited now, but he should be ready to go for the start of the season. But I'll tell you one thing about those rookie safeties. They picked Adams in the first round. The second-round pick is one of the stars of the camp so far, Marcus May out of Florida, getting his hands on a lot of football. So if the Jets hit on those first two guys and have their safety tandem for the next five or six years, that will help a defense a lot, especially a defense that blew so many coverages in the last couple of years. Dan, overall, how solid do you think this D could be? We know about all the big names that are gone, but you still have Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, and the rookie safeties you alluded to. Well, this defense to me has a lot of question marks. I think the defensive line is going to be outstanding with Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, and Leonard Williams uh, leading things up there, three first-round picks, three uh, amazing athletes for 300-pounders. So I think they'll be good up front. Linebacking core, a lot of questions. Uh, Darren Lee needs to step up and cover it. The first-round pick from Ohio State last year, picked because he runs 4-5 and was supposed to help in coverage, had three passes defense last year in 13 games. That's not enough. This summer, not getting his hands on a lot of football, so he needs to step up. But a big concern, if I were the Jets, is their edge pass rush. We all know in the 3-4 defense, you need those sack daddies at outside linebacker, and they just don't have one. And Their D-line is going to do what they do. They're good players. But we all know in a 3-4 defense, if you want to play it on the highest level, you need to get that edge rush uh, really dominating a game. And right now, when you look at them on paper or on the field, there's no edge rusher that really scares anybody. When you talk about window of opportunities, uh, you you talk about pretty much season a moment. I would say maybe two years ago, uh, when the Jets was playing really good football and came down to the Buffalo game, you could say Ryan Fitzpatrick up until that point uh, ended up having his worst game of the season. Uh, last year was just a disaster. But Matt Forte leads Chicago uh, to have a chance to come to the Jets. How do you see him responding to how the team is just steadily falling apart year by year? And he is the one that's sitting there trying to figure out what is my future going to look like with running between the tackles? Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I don't think this is the way he wanted to end his career with this kind of program that's rebuilding. And you can make a strong argument the only reason he's still here is because he was owed a lot of money in the second year of his contract. So there could have been a salary cap angle to why he's still on the team when you look at all the veterans they've heard this offseason. But he's very excited because the Jets' new offensive coordinator, John Morton, who came from New Orleans where he was the wide receivers coach, is playing, is installing a West Coast offense. And as you guys know, they throw the backs a lot. So Matt Forte, who didn't get thrown the ball a lot last year in Chan Gailey's offense, but, you know, Chan does throw the backs, Cordell, as you know. You played for him. He was throwing a Bilal yep, Powell yep. more. But, but, yep. but the thing is, Bilal Powell and Matt Forte are both going to be very involved in the passing game. And Matt Forte holds the NFL record from three years ago for most receptions by a running back in a season. So he's excited. So Powell and Forte are going to be very involved in the passing attack. So when people look at the Jets receivers who are a question mark right now, you've got to look at the receiving game in terms of totality. They're going to throw to Austin Safari and Jenkins a ton. 
They have a rookie tight end, Jordan Leggett, out of Clemson they like a lot. They're going to throw the backs a lot. And I think Robbie Anderson is, is a guy that looks pretty good. I'm not saying it's the best situation in terms of passing games, but they're going to spread the ball around a lot to a lot of different positions. Dan, last one for me. You don't have a website called JetsConfidential.com unless you care about the team. But with a degree of objectivity, when you look at the schedule, realistically, how many wins is this team going to tally? Well, I know that in Las Vegas, because I just did a radio show in Las Vegas, they mentioned it was four games, the over-under. And I give this answer to them, and I'll give it to you. If Josh McCown is the quarterback most of the season, I would go over four. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying they're going 11-5. and five. But Josh McCown's looked good this summer. They need a game manager who can uh, distribute the football. They also need a leader. And he's been become that alpha dog in the locker room that they were missing last year. I'm not putting Josh McCown in Canton. All I'm saying is that if he's the quarterback most of this year, I think they go over four wins. So that could be six. That could be seven. But I think if they go to one of the young guys, if, if they go to Petty or Hackenberg early, and to me, I think they're, they're going to be a, a team that's fine for the first pick in the draft. I don't think anyone, either one of those guys is ready to lead this team far, but I think with McCown, they could pick some people off here and there. So you're saying there's a chance. Dan, as we say goodbye, can you settle a long-standing debate on this program? We know Joe <laughs> Willie Namath is the greatest quarterback in Jet history. Who's number two? Well, I'd have to go off the top of my head with Chad Pennington. Thank you. That has been my yeah. argument. We've had Browning-Nagel conversation I'm kidding, but you know the point we're making here. The well, Jets Ken have been looking for a quarterback for a long time. Ken O'Brien was underrated. I mean, he, he wasn't the best, but he wasn't bad either. He did some, They went to the playoffs uh, in the mid-'80s a couple times with Ken O'Brien, but I would go with Chad Pennington. I'm with you, except you remember he had the brawl at Studio 54 and never, never viewed him the same way when I was a kid growing up a Jet fan. Thank you, Dan. We appreciate the insights. Okay, guys, anytime. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! The National Football League is on. Tune in.